Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome back to the show. It is True Detective Season 3, Episode 3. This one is huge. It's called The Big Never. I can't wait to talk about this with you guys. There are so many crazy things. Who knew? Dungeons and Dragons. So much to talk about. I'll see you guys in just one quick second. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Oh, it gets me every time oh. with that. T-Bone. <laughs> Burnett. T-Bone Burnett. Yeah. So groovy. We should do a group cover, maybe, of a T-Bone Burnett song by the end of this. We were just talking about music. Oh, yeah, you guys are both musicians, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. We, all, we can make it work. We're all musicians yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> we can all sing. And I can things. do like a sing-talk thing down here. That's about yes. all I can Ooh. do. So, uh, we're talking music. We're Badly. talking T-Bone Burnett. We're talking True Detective, and we're here at AfterBuzz TV. Uh, crazily enough, with this show, True Detective, this is the third episode. We are almost halfway through the season already. It's so wild, so different the network. Like, oh like, yeah, it's so different. I don't know if I could take much more than than what they give us, though. It's a lot. It's just right. Yeah, yeah perfect yeah. amount. The smolder is perfect, guys. We're back. I got the full panel, uh, fully returning. I got the True Detective season one and two team. I got my preacher teammate here. Uh, we're gonna start right here. Nate Miller, how you doing? What's going on, guys? I'm doing good. Yeah. How's your first reaction to this episode? What do you think? Uh, I liked it a lot. We're kind of picking up a little bit of steam. Uh, things are moving a little bit forward, and again, more just like really consistent. Uh, performances of these like really great characters. Uh, I'm just really enjoying the building of those characters. Excellent. You're in the chat here, right? You can see. I am. I am here in the chat. If you've got any questions, comments, we make mistakes, and you want to yell at us, yeah, I'll be responding. Let's to keep you. the chat going. <laughs> Exciting. Uh, going down the line, we got Julia Carley. She's back. How you feeling? What'd you, how'd you, do you like the episode? What do you uh, like? I love the episode. Uh, I agree with with uh, Nate here. We're picking up some some steam, and we're definitely unpacking who these characters are a little bit more deeply flawed, but with great intentions and uh i just I, i'm loving every second of it yeah i'm in i'm in and i have all my fluids flippo flippo <laughs> this side of the table is falling asleep straight up so we got multiple uptime oh. drinks proudly up time that stuff works you're a voiceover guy you want an uptime ad for us yeah yeah what time is it it's uptime <laughs> there we go wow. this stuff is real dude by the way half of one of these i feel fantastic i started I reaching for great. my wallet when you said that you're yeah, so good at that you can just spend it all out right go yeah um i like the episode i think it's great um i think i've decided that old haze is my favorite haze mm. i think he's that whole thing with what i told you you put me in a home i'll off myself yeah. Oh, yeah i was like yes tell him um, no, I, I, I think it's great, and the, the dynamics are growing between the characters. We're getting to see more and more, and they're starting to have a little fun. Yeah, which I don't think we had much of for the first two episodes. He's literally every single child's nightmare what their parent would be, and he is every person's vision of what they will be. Isn't that yeah, the truth? <laughs> yeah, he's like, right oh, on. That that's line, exactly right. That right line on. is like, yeah, we all want to say that line someday. Have the balls to say it to your kid, but like, yeah, I mean. I don't know. No, you're a thousand percent right. We're like, no, no, I'm not doing that, but you, Dad, you're going to do that. I also love, like, he's got, 
Like, this is really interesting. He has that line where he's talking to the doctor uh, in that scene, and he's like, uh, I know my son loves me, doctor, but thanks for walking me through that. <laughs> That's and awesome. what's funny about that line, what I loved so much about it, was the doctor says that, and my initial instinct was like, kind of like a weird and inappropriate thing to say to this guy like you don't really know these guys like you know your son loves you well like I don't know love's pretty complicated what if he like doesn't really love him what if it's just what if they have real issues and it's like you're saying that and then he's like he responds to him quite literally you know like he's, he's like I know what's going on you don't have to talk to me about my relationship with my kid it has nothing to do with my sickness I think the best part about getting to be old I'm looking forward to is being able to say whatever the hell you yeah, want right. and it doesn't matter and I, I, that's one of the things that they they write for Hayes, I think, which is great. Like, old Hayes says what he feels like saying, and that's it. And the other two are, are, are con, con, uh, contained, or, you know, a little bit of by, yeah. by power structures and, and whatever's going on. But old Hayes is like, nah, I don't care. I'll say whatever. So, good episode. Uh, I think my thoughts are, it's starting to pick up right at the point that I think it needs to. I think with this show, what I've noticed, and, and a lot of these shows that have eight episodes, three is a really important pivot point. Because mm. if it doesn't start to really like roll downhill at three, then you're really start, you're struggling. Because then you're looking for way too much at the turn, right? Like three is exactly gives it gives you the feeling that you have a lot of show left still. Yeah. So now you're invested, right? Well, I mean, we spoke about directors last time, and I think it's worth noting that Daniel Sackheim directed this episode, uh, who's also the guy who directed the last three episodes. Yeah. So mm. that's you know. I, I think that there's a reason for that, and, yeah. I, and I think that we kind of felt that, that we're getting a lot of the seeds in this episode that are going to lead us toward the end. So one of the things they employ really well, and I think we'll jump around a little bit as far as the topics themselves go, but um, one of the things that I love is you get the same payoff you got in the first season where eventually you see Marty and Russ meet back up. And I think in that show it's a little later in the season, yeah. but like it's a nice right. payoff in this one. You see them at the bar and you see that rapport come back. Uh, and you even though you haven't, totally gotten into the real meat of the case in, in 1980, you still get the feeling they went through something really important together. You know, they had some really, like, significant times together. So that ability to, like, kind of give each other shit. Yeah. And, and like, be kind of, like, just, you're, like, drunk in the middle of the afternoon, and he's helped this other guy get clean, so he's got his shit together way more than you at this point. But there's still a mutual respect of, like, you've come to this bar to find me, I appreciate that, I'll give you some shit, but I still want to work with you. And he's like, you're a drunk at a bar, but I still want to work with you because I know you're a damn good cop. I love that. I'm really happy to uh, be finally introduced to 1990 Roland West. Because we've had yes. a lot of of, um, of haze in all three different time periods, and I'm really understanding his transition through these decades. But I was really kind of wondering, what's going on with Wes? They've alluded to him here and there, and to finally see him, see what he's accomplished. We ha- mis- Am I mistaken? We haven't seen him in 2015 yet, though, right? No, no. I don't think so. Okay, no. so that's, you know, that's, that's another present that's still to come, to I, see what's become of him. I, I gotta say, I love a wig-free Stephen Dorff. It makes me tremendously happy. I mean, uh, I, I, I don't good. like the wigged, the wigged Stephen the Dorf. Wigged, the, the wigged, the wigged dwarf. The wigged, the wigged dwarf. Wigged dwarf of the West. Wigged dwarf of the West. Um, and I, I love that he was rocking the uh, the Pontiac, the uh, the I Rock Firebird. Yeah, that's yeah. a good car. That's Damn a good car. right, man. I mean, he's a badass. Absolutely. Can he ever do anything that's not just a little bit badass? No, nah, because yeah. he's got he's got some he's stank Steven on Dorf. him. Yeah, he's just born with stank. Got a little swag. I mean, he was a young hotshot vampire, you know. Sure from, was. From here on out, everything. Um, I wonder if we're going to get through an episode without referencing Blade. I don't think anybody having why a conversation about this show <laughs> no. and Steven Dorff will ever not reference Deacon Frost. I think no, that's why he did this show, so that after <laughs> this he can start doing more things and people can be like, oh, he's that guy from True Detective, instead yeah. of 
Oh, it'll flip. From Blade. Yeah. It'll flip. I got you. I, I mean, so far, he's given a killer performance. The yeah, question is, what's the most memorable part? Is it is it him as a character, or is it the Snipes line, some motherfuckers always matter? trying to ice skate out here. <laughs> it's one of those two things. I'm not sure which one it is, but they're both great. So. Okay, so like you said, we, we weren't sure. I, I was not even sure that they were going... I didn't think that they were going to reconnect in me. I thought that we were only going to get the two of them... In the 1980 timeline, so I was really pleasantly surprised when he walked in and was like, "Oh, by the way, I'm starting a task force." I was like, "Hell yeah!" And uh, I'm a lieutenant. Yeah, and I mean, and, and like you said, seeing him, like obviously we we saw him yep. with the guy with uh, Tony going back, you know, to tell him the news that they that his daughter might be alive. Which is it is, Tony or Tom? Tom. 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 Tom, Tom sorry. Right. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Purcell. Yep. Mr. Purcell. And yeah, I mean. Clearly, even just from looks alone, you can tell that he has changed a lot from when we saw him in 1980. He's Tom. Now, uh, That's Tom. That was a stark Tom. contrast. Yes. Oh. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, he difference. said that he was sober for five years. Uh, we find out that Lucy died. Yeah. Uh, in Vegas. In Vegas. Yeah, in 1988. Fill in the blanks. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of information that we got there. But also even from uh, from Roland's perspective, too, seeing how much that he has changed as well. And he's, you know, very clean where we see him now. Uh, much more put together than in the 1980 timeline. And also he's got this job and this authority. Uh, we see that he's been recognized for his work. And you start to... So there's some things mentioned here in the scene. So uh, the first one I want to talk about is before we go into that bar interaction. It's a big part of the show. Is mm-hmm. that You're talking about when he goes to see Tom in the trailer. Right. It's kind of a trailer. It's like a really nice trailer. It's really nice inside. Trailer. Yeah, it's, it's like, a huge kitchen. It's like a fancy, fancy trailer. Uh, and he says, five years ago I got sober, and it was you that helped me. And you're like, okay, so you were working on this case. Somewhere along the line develops a relationship that's important between the two of mm-hmm. you guys beyond what we're seeing so far. Mm, yes. And on top of that, somewhere along the line is he, like, he decides, like... There was something crazy that happened that we're going to have to witness that gets him to this point, right? Like, he looks like he's a totally changed person, right? And and in some way, Stephen Dorff felt the need to invest. And also, there's a line that Mahershala says, if I had taken a bullet, I'd be right. playing golf. Yeah. Yes. So somewhere along and the lines... my friends. In this first... Roland gets shot somewhere. Yes. Somewhere in the 1980 yes. timeline, the Steve McQueen dying timeline. Between 1980 to 1990, he gets yeah. shot. He gets shot. And that's a thing that we're going to witness. And so I'm curious what's going to happen there. Now, another thing I wanted to bring up is... And this is really distinctly different in this season than what we've seen before. Season one has two white detectives, right? Season two has four white detectives. This is the first time you're seeing any any reference to race within the two main characters. And it's referenced in the first episode. We didn't talk about it. When he says the line about talk to them, right. they're your tribe, mm-hmm. right? It's a super significant difference in the way that they're, they're treating the people they're interacting with. Like, even though you can tell in the, in the first timeline, Mahershala is clearly more qualified as a cop. He's way better at his job, right? He's a tracker, he's super smart, he's doing everything. And saner, uh, it seems. I mean, I, th- I, f- I don't want to say that, because, I mean, based on what I've seen already, I feel like, I don't think uh, Hayes would be a really effective cop on his own. He needs Roland to kind of, like, pull him down to earth. To, and, like, Roland is the one who is, like, talking to people and, like, yeah. empathizing with people. And that's why he forms that relationship with the dad, whereas well, that's, that's- Hayes is more of a factual... He's the hunter. This is what we got to do. It may, like, he's he's much more abrasive, much less sensitive when he's yeah, dealing might, with people. Might be worth considering that, that, that the reason for that dynamic is because of where they are and when they are. 
in the 1980s in the Ozarks. Of course. I mean, is, are you going to get more mileage as as a cop trying to get you, you know your witnesses to talk, whatever you need, yeah. by by having the white cop right. talk to the they white folks? Well, there's understand, that moment yeah, in the, the bar reality. when he's that we talked about in uh, uh, last episode that we just just did, yeah. um, where he's talking to Amelia. He goes, "How is it for you?" No, really, how is it for you? Mm-hmm. Talking about being a person of color right. in this small rural town in that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's th- that difference. In, and then even, you know, as we find out at the bar later, he's, you know, when he tells him, why didn't you tell him you were fixing up Jeeps while we were getting shot at? Also, the dichotomy of the experiences that they had coming back from the war, one of them was in a much more dark, gritty situation than the other one. So they have, there's a lot of different things at play with two of them that make them this great combination which is why I think they're going to be able to make break on this case that a lot of people wouldn't be able to. I don't think that they could exist without each other because of their separate skill sets that make each other stronger. Exactly. But when it comes time in this day in that day and age for a promotion, perhaps yes, he was overlooked because of the pigmentation of his skin, yeah. which he brings. He, up. he also well, makes a comment too about being a big mouth. Big mouth. He said something too. at yeah. some point. Yeah, we haven't seen it true. yet. But he's got to come out. he's drinking a lot. Well, even... Yeah. A lot of drinking going on. Yeah. Well, we find out that he's not a detective anymore. Uh, Hayes has been working a desk job, mm-hmm. which is... I mean, it's it's implied that it's like a demotion. And even with his demeanor in, in his initial um, sit-down... Uh, it, it 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 doesn't seem like his relationship with the rest of the law enforcement is is very good. Like he he definitely feels like he was screwed over. And so then to see uh, Roland on the other side, not only still a detective, but then to get promoted to to a lieutenant of the state police and now to lead a task force, uh, it's just a really interesting. But he seems to understand too because in his interviews that he says to them, you know, part of my language, but he says, you know, you really fucked over a good detective yeah. or something along those right. lines. Like he yeah. knows right. that that they were possibly both deserving or mm-hmm. they should both be on no the doubt. same yeah. level. Oh, yeah. But he he knows it and he's not afraid to say but, it because that's his friend. And then he says, when we stopped working together, we stopped working, right. which makes me. You know, informs to me that they can't really exist without each other. Yeah, he says, once we stop working together, we just stop. We just stop. Yes, that's yeah. it. You're right. I think there's also, and you see this a lot with uh, with writers that kind of work in like darker spaces. But there's a commentary on addiction here, right? Like it's clear it's clear between the two characters. Yeah. You're seeing you're seeing one character who is a mess who gets clean, and all of a sudden, just his face looks better. His whole his whole situation, right? He's doing his thing, and you you look at you look at Hayes. And it kind of seems like there was a point in this story where he's kind of the hot shit guy. He's the one who discovers the body. He's the one who's making the big breaks on the case. That, And it's kind of going downhill as he's drinking more and more. So you pick back up in 1990, and at that moment, you've got this guy who was a mess who's gotten clean, and now he's you know he's doing it. And the other guy is kind of falling off a cliff. He's right. drinking at noon at a bar. And I think it's important to remember because it's a, it's a definite commentary that you're seeing here. And, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of it. You know? And remember that this that scene takes place after the whole Walmart fiasco too so it's and, and he also has this disagreement with Amelia when she comes home and I mean I, I think you know he had a reason to be upset but th- there's clearly something else that was playing there and that's why he reacted in that way Yeah. and so it's more than just the drinking like it's affecting all parts of his life it's like almost consuming him again, back to their drinking when the, and to harken back again to that meeting in the bar between he and Amelia she asks him point blank do you drink a lot and he says, he says something like, like twice or two times or three times a month I get drunk because I like to laugh which I thought was kind of right. comical. It's like, you do? We haven't seen that you yet. You like to laugh? Right. But and also to anyone who drinks, if you... you like, does he mean he gets hammered three times a month? Right, or does he mean drunk. That, does he mean yeah. that he has drinks three times a month? 
from what we're seeing in the amount that he drinks, it seems like he means he drinks I, every night, but he gets yeah. drunk three times. I feel like a lot of that, though, came after this case. Maybe. Because yeah. if, if you look at a lot of how he acts in the 1980 scene, it doesn't, he's just much more put together. Uh, and he just seems much more frantic in the 1980s, and then in the 2015, obviously he's yeah. much more apart because he's. And you older. wonder when, yeah, you wonder when his mind started to, to break. They so, also didn't say which, what dis- he has. the disease was. We can say quite certainly what, uh, quite almost certainly what you yeah. have. Yeah, yeah, Alzheimer's disease. Got, got to mention Alzheimer's, obviously, right? You would think, right? I would yeah. think so. That seems yeah. like the implication. They did take a CT like. scan. I, I like very much what you said about addiction because I think we're, we're, we're one of the things we're overlooking in this show is that everybody's smoking all the goddamn all time. The time. Yeah. And yeah. it's so jarring now to me anyway because it's just not it's not when we were kids growing up everybody smoked on TV because not not because necessarily everybody's addicted or the characters it was a, it wasn't even sort of thought of the character it just something to do with your hand and it looked cool so and it, it's neat now to see like now if you're smoking on TV it's a choice yeah why are we doing it we're doing it for a particular a character choice and it's and it's a real thing. And, uh, you know, it, it's funny, that scene with, with Tom, right? I'm clean and sober for five years, and he's smoking a cigarette and pouring yeah. himself a cup of coffee. Like, all right, well, you know, you, you still got your, your, your hooks. Got our vices. I think yeah. to a degree, like, also just because of the reality, I think often we're going to see that just because a lot of people were smoking at yeah. the time. Like, it's Way so more, weird yes. to and it's, not. And it's the that. same, I mean, that's kind of the same point about the the uh, dealing with race in the show, right? It's just the time thing. It's right. 1980. So um, I want to talk about the relationship between Hayes and Amelia. I think it's important. But before we get there, that's the next topic. I want to remind everybody here that we are the ESPN of TV Talk. We have been. We're very thankful for you guys continuing to make us the ESPN of TV Talk. We cover almost every show on TV. It's over like 150 shows that are covered on AfterBuzz, been around forever. Big thanks to Maria and Kevin for starting this thing for us and giving us a place to talk about television. If you want to help us out, give us a rating and a review on iTunes. Just leave us a review. Write your thoughts. Five stars. It helps us stay high in the standings so people can find the show. If you're watching on YouTube, Subscribe, comment. We'll share your thoughts next week on the show. Thank you guys so much for listening and watching to AfterBuzz. Let's go. Uh, all right, so their relationship. Something super interesting happened in this episode, and it was that she comes home, she's drunk, she's talked to this cop, she's gotten dinner with him, and she's doing exactly what she told him she might do in the car, right? She's going to get all gussied up, she's going to go ask questions, and he's like resisting to her involvement, right? And it seems like early, you don't really you don't really catch that maybe he wasn't that thrilled about the fact that she got involved in the stuff. She's kind of pushing her way in, right? Like, she she helps him get the break uh, in, in the first place in 1980, right? She mm-hmm. finds the thing about the doll. But then she's writing these books, and she's sitting with him, and it's like, she, she's pretty good at this stuff, but she wants to write books. She's not a cop. That's what she's doing, right? She's doing something else. But she's glamorizing it, and she's thriving on it, and she, it like, makes her... It makes her like sexuality come out a little yeah. bit, and she gets yeah. to be something she's never been before, and be gregarious and well, not I, wear a bra and like, that, have her yeah. hair down and all flirting with the detectives that, and go out to dinner and have drinks with them. I was like, so, oh, okay, Amelia, that's that was, what we're doing. It was straight up jarring to me. Like it must have been cold in the detective's uh, office, man. My goodness, the nipples. Oh yeah, gee whiz, definitely. And what a choice. I mean, like a it's such a specific choice. She got what she wanted, right? But it, I, I don't know. I wonder how much of of his uh, frustration with that particular uh, set of uh, with that particular uh, scene, I guess, is uh, is is the way she went about it versus um, versus her involvement. 
And and then at the end of it, when she came back drunk, that I, I can, I mean... We can all relate to that, right? We've all had somebody come back, and you're kind of serious, you've been worrying about something, like you feel like they've dropped the ball, even if it's like you knew they were right. going to, and you're worried, and they come in, they're in kind of a good mood, and you're like, shut up, stop being drunk. Right, stop I being hate happy yeah. and drunk yeah. and confident, and I am shitty. Well, yeah. I think even, even deeper than that, too, I think it's just a really, you know, I don't know if this is intentional, but I see it almost as like a... A, a, a similar metaphor to the uh, experience that the viewer has. Where, yeah. like, for us, all these clues and finding the body and all this stuff, it's exciting. There's all these things going on. Whereas for him, he found the body. He took the pictures. He looked for the girl. He tracked the clues. A bunch of other stuff has happened, too, which apparently is really bad. And he wants to block out and forget. Uh, so for him, it's a, it's much it's a much different experience. So for her to be... Having fun or like drunk and like and she's like enjoying the moment because she's doing this investigating thing and for him it's not he's not enjoying it. This is something he has to do because it's tearing him apart. Right, I agree. It's keeping him up. So for for him, I think it's a lot of that other stuff. But I think at its core, it's this kind of like two completely different sides of the same coin. Completely agree. agree. And, And that's why I think he says, "Don't talk to me about this shit." And she says, you know, I'm talking like that. And he says, or, you know, you can say it. And he says, it's been said or whatever. Like, I, that's why his his approach is bad, but his point is sound, which is, like, you're using this to write a book. Even right. if it's creative, you're, like, profiting off of the situation This is a lark way. for you, right. and for me, this is deadly serious. This but... is my job that I hate, but it's, like, eating me up, and I'm sitting here. And who just drinks straight Jack Daniels? I mean, i got to say. Has I've done it. I've done it. I mean, I've done I, it. Don't before, get me wrong. Yeah, well, before <laughs> well, I... I've done yeah. it. Yeah. Let me ask you guys Discovered what good whiskey was. Yeah, like anything other than Jack Daniels. I mean, that's like, that's rough stuff. No ice. Do you guys think Amelia's... Do you guys think Amelia might be making more money at this point? I mean, it seems to me if she's publishing books... Well, this is her first. Is this her first? Yeah, so I don't think she... Now she's amending it because now Julie might still up the other. Is it her first? She tells the cops that she's done a couple books. Oh, really? Does she? I always wonder. I thought that was her first and then six more came out. I could be wrong. It could be a, a, that, that's a, that's an always interesting thing to, to to find out if you're when your relationship the money changes in relationship the dynamic changes right so if if that's part of it too then that could be playing into it yeah it's true if all of a sudden she's making a whole bunch of money and he's been demoted and writing a desk for ten, the last ten years and yeah yeah and again that's you see him sitting there just drinking straight Jack which is like. It's the dynamic just is funny changing. when he's so pissed at her for being drunk. He's obviously drunk, just sitting there getting drunk. Sitting there getting drunk, right? Yeah, exactly. but they're drunk for different reasons. One was fun and frivolous, and one was to drown your sorrows. Also, that part of their relationship was, I thought, very relatable to a lot of people. Like that interaction is an interaction. Oh God, yes. Whether or not there's alcohol involved, I think most of us have had an interaction like that at one time or another. Which I always for like sure. when scenes like that get written it was, because they hit home. Yeah, it they was do. Really real. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, super real. And yeah. it was you're like he's angry at all these different things and it's coming out in this right. way. And it's kind of ugly. Her, yeah. And you yeah. see that she like even for a while she loves him and knows him so well that she kind of like tries to play it off and then eventually realizes like no, this is where we're at. We're angry now. And she's like, "All right, cool. Fuck Do you, you guys think she's justified in like uh, flirting with cops and then even going to the point of having dinner with a cop? Well, that, this oh, this is always a thing, right? So so if you can sit out and I like the way they did this because they they made it deliberately they, they didn't make it simple and easy, right? So you go in there, and you could you could go in there with with your white blouse and or white dress, and and you could be wearing a bra, and yeah. that's definitely a choice. Or you can go in there with enormous nipples, and that's also a choice. And and I think that having it be that choice, and then having her go to dinner with the detective, which arguably she didn't need to do. Yeah, right. What else is she going to get out of it? And he was, I mean, clearly the body language, he's all, he's yeah. literally all over her. And instead of her going, you know what, that's enough. She's like, this is kind of fun. 
Yeah. Yeah. Let's finish it out. I'm, you know. And she's saying my ex-husband, so she's clearly she's lying now. To she's get laying it down. Yeah. But she that was part to, of the plan, right? Yeah, but, make her seem single and available. But it's it's interesting to. I mean, then then there's that that moment, right? We maybe she's having a good time with it. And, yeah. And it's it's relatively harmless. She's not going to do anything with it. But I think what Julia said is correct. I think she is, and I think it, you even see like they're sitting looking at this Walgreens, you know, trying to figure out what to do at the beginning. She's like, we can go drink and have sex all yeah. night. She, you know, she's into it. It turns her on. Yeah. She's you know? totally into it. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like the whole experience seems to turn her on, which is obviously, and that, and they're, they're starting to kind of lead us in. Now, well, let's that's talk- how they got together. I'm sorry. Last thought on no, that. That's no, how they, that's how their relationship started, be- became a relationship. That's their shared experience. And that seems to be the only experience. I mean, yes, they have a family and things change, but this seems to be the common thread throughout their entire 10 years of a relationship. What else do they have? So now, continuing to talk about their relationship in this episode, um, I think, and to me at least, this is the most jarring part of the episode, is the weird psychological flashback thing, where he's Oof. sitting there, the, the basically horror movie segment of this episode, where it started to happen, and I don't know if you guys felt the same, but I thought it was creepy as hell. I mean, it was it was getting to me. Like, just like her being young and saying this stuff, and some of the lines, there's a one line she says, uh, past, present, and future are a stubbornly persistent illusion, Right? That's the one that stuck with me because it starts to really it starts to really tie together the three timelines in a way that you're like okay so what am I watching how much of how much of this is all memory and then how much of this is really happening right so that it's the in, it's the uh, unreliable narrator stuff we were talking about last episode yeah the few quotes that I noted down were when she says do you think you could just go on and did you think you would never have to look back what you what you left out in the woods she mm-hmm. says where Some is business. it uh, he says where is it which I don't know what he's referencing to. And then he says, how much do I have to lose? Which she says, everything, everything. Yeah. like everyone else. Uh, and then she says, worried what they'll find, what you left in the woods, finish it. Which is super cryptic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? And creepy. And you, and then you start to wonder. You're like, so what happened? Is that what's driving him to drink in the middle of the day? Well, it's also like, what does Amelia know, too? Because we know... That he hasn't read the book up until like 2015 is when he starts reading it, and it even says in 1990 when he's like trying to read it that he he can't because he keeps seeing his name, and that goes back to that conversation that they had when they're walking talking yeah. about the interpretation of the poem, where for her the interpretation is you know you you don't say the name because once you say the name that you associate yourself you separate yourself you, you separate from yourself when you right. name it right. exactly. Yeah. And you can't separate yourself from time, right. which to me you brought up in the last episode about you know uh, all these tying together, time being a flat circle. It's all just sort of melding together a little bit in in my mind. These these ideas of time. So now I think moving from that topic to the other one, which is really interesting, which is there are some fan. Th- I mean, well, maybe we'll save that uh, that part of it. But let's talk about him finding the dice, the the set of die. The, uh, the 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 die that, that Nate and I as giant friggin' nerds. All right. okay. yeah, I, I I'm gonna, gonna say, remove myself from this part. I'm I, just gonna let you guys talk about I this because I have no idea what you guys are talking about. My nerd level's like a six, six yeah. and a half. So I think where you guys. Oh should, boy! If, to, to get those die, you, you guys don't. We had to pause it and go back while these guys counted the die and we're like, <laughs> well, what die are in there? And we're I, was like, like, I was like, Nate, did you see? Uh, I saw four, three, uh, a D twenty. Uh, Jules and I are like, yeah, there's dice, man. They're just dice. They're like the look on his face. I don't know if you saw it. Like Ben's oh. face, like there was a moment of contempt for us, and then he, he covered it up real quick. And I go, like, oh, I was you like, idiots I was like, don't know anything. He, he was, I was like, like yes. I was like, <laughs> super Are you excited. sure it was a D twenty? He's like, yes, I saw nineteen. I was like, hmm. Quick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, can, can you give 
us a little background on what the heck please, this means. Please, please, upgrade our nerddom. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you take this one away for, for right. D&D stuff. Well, uh, okay, thanks. I'll take the bullet. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we see those die. Um, more often than not, you, you don't see a, a D20, just a 20-sided die uh, outside of uh, Dungeons and Dragons, which is what D and D is. If people didn't get that, um, so the reason why I got excited when we saw the die was because I don't know if it was episode. I think it was, it was episode one. Yeah, so. when they're searching Charlie's room, uh, there is a D and D book on the desk, which is called The Forest of Lang. Uh, now, granted, I am a big nerd, and there's lots of other big nerds uh, on the internet. I, I read a lot of Reddit, so if you post on Reddit. Get at me. I'm going to read all your theories. Um, but somebody on Reddit was talking about how that's not a real book. That's not, you know, so they had to make that. Um, so that really stuck out to me as something important. I still don't know what it means. Um, but seeing the die reinforces that the fact that he plays Dungeons & Dragons is, in fact, important. So one of the questions that we got this episode, learning about the kids in this new spot where they were hiding and the mixed couple and the brown car and all that stuff, uh, is that they, I have the, the Boyle kid, uh, they were not hanging out with the Boyle kid after school. They were doing something else. So this implication that they were going to play Dungeons & Dragons out there, that explains what those other toys were doing there. Often when people play D&D, they use miniatures and stuff. It makes sense for kids to use their own toys. Uh, and especially these are a bunch of toys that the parents never saw or purchased, so we're wondering where those came from. Uh, so it's a lot. Of, it's just more questions, of course, um, but just another lead that I feel like is going to lead somewhere important. Ladies and gentlemen, that was a Nate deep nerd dive. <laughs> deep cut. So I will, t- I will tell you, um, I'm not a Dungeons & Dragons nerd, but I play a significant amount of Magic the Gathering. Oh, I did too back it's way, in the day. It's way nerdier. I don't uh, know what this is either. It's way oh, nerdier. It's a collectible card game. Yeah. Guys, I was, I was super cool doing, mm. doing musicals. <laughs> yeah, yeah okay? there you go. Musical theater. I was really cool. So you get a <laughs> so spin down. Don't worry about it. You can do both. You get a spin down, which is a 20-sider when you play Magic at like an event. They'll get one. And so I have a lot of these. That's basically a 20-sider. It's a life counter. Um, yeah, it's a life counter. Exactly. They call them spin downs, okay? <laughs> I was playing earlier today and I got a new spin down for the new set. Okay, let's move on. Um, anyway. Oh, the nerd. So, the nerd we're, we're, it's a very strong yeah, nerd table. It's a strong right nerd now. table. Where am I? So that's a, but that is a significant part of the show is the book, the fact that he finds the dice. Um, that's... That's a theme I think we're going to continue to see, and it's going to kind of connect us a little bit to the weird, culty, supernatural dolls in the woods stuff that reminds us of season one. Stay tuned at the end of the episode. We are going to talk a little bit about that uh, and some of the theories that go with the uh, season one stuff. Um, I want to talk quickly about our Vietnam vet garbage collector who gets oh. accosted. Oh. Uncomfortable scene. Yeah, that was really that was a hard one to watch. Whose side are you on on this, guys? Do you think he's innocent and he's getting hassled? What do you I think? I think he's innocent. Feels like Although it. that bag looked very child body like. Well, I think it's supposed to, but I'm pretty sure it's filled with <laughs> I don't long think guns. It is, I think it's full well, of we guns. know that yeah. Julie's alive, and we know that they've already found yeah, Charlie's body. body so. We don't know that Julie, Julie's alive. We know that her fingerprints were found. Well, yeah, that's we true. find that later. Yeah, we, we don't know at that point. Well, it'd be pretty weird if there was. But we also know that he doesn't know where his kid. He says he doesn't know where his kids are. <laughs> right. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Yeah. Well, he said that in it's the morbid. Inter- I know. He said, right. he said that in the interview because he said his wife. His wife took has them the away. kids. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sure she did. Uh, I, I, it's or a he trip. killed him and is hiding him in a bag. No, I think it's like a bag of guns or something. <laughs> I think so too, but it you makes know. sense. I don't know about you guys. I I grew up in 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 L. A. It's a big big town. There's not like vigilante justice is really not a thing. Like you don't do that because you go to the police and there's yeah. you know. 
But it, I would imagine, you know, if you're out in the... Well, people, just, people just don't care enough in LA. It's a, it's a, it's a very bizarre place. But, it, but imagine if you're out in the middle of, you know, wherever, and, and you know, it's, you're looking for the state police to come through if anything major crimes happens. Yeah. And, you know, it's a much smaller place than maybe that is how you deal with things. You take well, I mean, in your it, own it's time. a community. You get three or four trucks and you go chase well, them down. Everybody more or less knows each other, and you have the news talking about missing kids, and they're going canvassing houses. So people are scared. And, they're scared for their kids. And when right. everyone in the neighborhood knows that there's already like that one weird guy. The Boo Radley. And I'll tell you what. It's that, always that, Boo Radley. It, that's the 1980s version of, of uh, the, the, the Megan's Law list right now. And, and as soon as someone's on that stuff, like I live in, uh, I live up in Santa Clarita. It is a, uh, it's a bedroom community and it's, it's all kids. And if someone that is on that, that offenders list moves up there, they make a stink about it. They will put them on, they'll put them in the paper. They'll get on, they'll get, they'll, they'll march around. Try to shame it, them. Yeah. Get out. We don't want you. I mean, it's, it's, you know, so this is the 80s version of it in, in, in a small town. I don't know whose side to be on on that one. Yeah, I mean, the Vietnam meth thing we talked about last episode, it was, it was a lot of people were creeped out by these, like, sort of, like, uh, loner, you know, kind of quiet, we like, you know, people with, like, a lot of PTSD. It was mm-hmm. a thing. Um, so, last thing I want to ask you guys about before we kind of wrap up in the last bit of the episode oh is... Oh, my goodness, it's over already? Yeah, there's yeah. so much to, to <gasps> talk about. <laughs> We've got Steph Sabrop in the booth. Steph, how you doing? Can she hear us? Maybe. Maybe Steph is not in the booth. All right. <laughs> We've been left alone. Um, well, uh-huh. maybe we can go a few minutes longer. What I want to ask you guys about is they go and visit this guy. They, uh, he says he's been talked to by this guy in a brown sedan. And so... Uh, n- I don't think the brown sedan. The brown sedan is the car that he saw driving. Sorry, he saw yes, a brown sedan. an upscale. Right. And he was talking to some white man in a suit with a badge. With a badge. But he sees the brown sedan and he sees a, a, a black man and a white woman uh, driving around the neighborhood. Black man and, with a scar. Yep. And so, and this is information that is getting also relayed in this conversation that's being had with uh, Elisa, who seems to know. He seemed like he had a slightly more personal relationship to Hayes' son. Am right. I wrong about that? I, that's, they seem to know each other yeah. better. The way that the they director? said each other's first names, yes. it, it impl- to me, I read that as they know each other. More than it seemed in the first episode. Yeah. You're right? Mm. So that all that information is happening, though, and, and they go to see this guy, and, he, and they ask if they can look in his place, and he's like, you need a warrant for that. And he said, if you make us get one, I think you're going to have to, son. So is that guy? What's going on with that guy? Well, I think everyone in that town, their invasion or their privacy has been so invaded. Um, when they were going to canvas the, the the neighborhoods already, they said that they would make a big stink about it. Right. That people wouldn't want people or people wouldn't want the cops coming into their homes um, uninvited without warrants. So I, I think that's just sort of get out of my house. Yeah. I didn't do anything wrong. It's not your place. I just keep to myself. Some guy was already here and questioned me. Enough. I, I also feel like race plays a role in that one. I absolutely definitely. You know, because the condescension in the guy's voice. You know, yeah. I think that was that he was calls I, son. Yeah. yeah, I think that. I mean, it's just half. It's half a step from boy. I mean, you know, I, I think that that. I think that that was. This is gonna be a red herring. I don't think it's gonna have anything to do with him. But, but I think that just uh, it's a good little. Um, what you call it? a little a little little flavor for the time? Yeah, like it definitely mattered that you were. White I definitely or black. gave him some some good information through that. Yes, scene. oh yeah. That may not pan out to anything, but. I mean, Pizzolatto is a fascinating writer because he he investigates his topics like almost nobody does. Like he really does. He, I mean, he will go such the extra mile in terms of his preparation for his scripts and also the films he's written. And with this one, he's taken all this extra time to make it clear to us the time in terms of the relationships between like you know race in a small town, the relationship between even even the conversation when they're walking, and he says. 
funny how the protesters stopped once the draft ended. Like, oh yeah, e- even just the commentary on Vietnam soldiers in that moment. It's like so. He's trying to really put us in these characters' shoes in that time period. He doesn't want it to feel familiar. But I do tell you guys, I think I caught one inconsistency. I could be wrong about this. But I work in the toy industry, and in, when they're in Walmart, on the end cap, there's like this big thing of rainbow-colored balls. Did you see those? I did. They literally are the same heads from balls that are for sale today. And unless it's the exact same heads from balls that have been selling for 25 years in Walmarts on end caps, which is possible, by the way, I was like, That's, those are new. That's literally for sale right now. And you want to know how Walmart does that? Every year, Walmart wants to underbid that. It's a tough thing. It was a friend of mine's in buying. It was wild. They were talking about those balls specifically. Because if you sell X number of, of, of those balls, Walmart yep. the next year will be like, all right, we're going to sell 15% more, but you got to drop the price. Blah, blah, blah. It's a, yeah, heads from cost nothing. Yeah. Tough, tough, tough scene. But uh, you might be right. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't know the ball industry was Who so knew? Yeah. Rainbow balls. Throat, Jack. Got to get yeah. into the underground market. I still play with those at the, the grocery store. Do you ever buy one or just play with them just and throw them back, back, back in the basket? Back in the basket. Oh. Yeah, so anyway, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I think I think that's all pretty interesting stuff and, and, and how how specific he is with what he writes. So um, Can we see, can we just yeah. bring up one I've thing real fast? Those little wanna, notes. Oh, man, okay, yeah, go The ahead, little yes. notes in, uh, yeah, we haven't in talked Julie's about notebook. The notes oh, that were right. all folded yep. up. I'll always keep you safe. Don't listen. Have a good night in the Hoyt. And the Hoyt Foods bag. Yeah, I guess that and the picture. We have to talk about both of those things, mm-hmm. right? Those are both pretty significant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, found Pick a picture up. from the uh, from the communion photo. Uh, I wasn't even going to say anything about that because I think it's weird, but I don't. It doesn't mean anything to me yet. I think we're going to get. I mean, especially from the next time on, where they're going to talk about that a lot next episode. But I don't. I just don't like. It's weird. The but I don't thing? know. Yeah, because like, who yeah. would have known the communion picture unless you're, you're suggesting? Uh, it was I mean, only two years. I want to make sure. Could have been, you know, could have been Julie had some influence in that too. Julie recognized that yeah. that's how you know you're supposed to pray when you're dead, or when that's how you're supposed to look when you're Ooh. praying or being so, holy. And maybe she wanted them to be posed that way. I want to, I want to call attention to the bloody stone thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that leads me to believe that it may have been an accident. Yeah, yeah. That was thinking uh, that too. Also, maybe. the fact that they moved the body, and then really quick, just how upset uh, Hayes got in the 2015 timeline when she did bring forward all this new information mm. and bringing up the car, which he then had the flashback to the treads and remembered. Um, so I think that is really important. There's a reason why he got upset, and there's a reason why she was pushing the way that she was. And I think that's of, why he yeah. said her name the way he did, because he could tell. It wasn't just like, oh, by the way, you missed this stuff. She was like, did you get everything? Yeah. Okay, you didn't get everything because you didn't get this. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. So, Julia, let's just last, before we get to our prediction segment here, let's just talk about those notes. Um, we find these notes in, in this book, and I wrote a couple of them down, right? Um, one of them says... I've got, it's all right, don't listen, I'll always keep you safe. Yeah, it's okay, don't listen, I'll always keep you safe, and uh, I'm always here is the last one I wrote down. And then if you remember the note that was sent, the, you know, with the, the, like, the letters, that said, do not worry, Julie is in a good place and safe, so I think this whole thing has been about Julie more than anything, Hmm. uh, about the little girl, and that the children should laugh. So perhaps the person that wrote the note had a relationship already, and those notes were written to her by that person who maybe abducted her. Maybe it's less of an abduction than we think. It's culty stuff. That's probably a good time to get into predictions. Yes. What does it all mean? What Uh, does it all mean? Oh goodness! I forgot about predictions. I literally started to expound on mine and just now, so I'll just continue it. Yeah, Uh, go on. And I think it's I think it's that those notes have something to do with the note and the person that wrote the note, Mm -hmm. and I don't think. 
it was an abduction as much as some sort of weird run away with me cult thing. Mm. That's that because because Dungeons and Dragons and the role playing side of it, I just that's what it feels like to me. I get some of that too. I I don't think it's going to be culty. I think it's going to be related to the family in some way. I don't know if like maybe it's a real mom or real parent or something. Uh, trying to like lure them away from the family or something of that nature. It, I just feel like there's something up with the family. Um, I think the D and D thing is going to play out some way. I, I'm not sure what. Uh, I'm also really curious about uh, what was that place called? The Ozark Children's ah. Outreach Center. Something. Yeah. Yes, I need to watch that scene again. There's something going on there. For sure. Um, and also, like, this whole thing just stinks of cover-up. We keep hearing about people being talked to twice and information not being shared. We've already seen that they've been having issues coordinating with, uh, you know, their higher-ups in, yep. in the county and the FBI and all that stuff. So I'm just curious to see where that goes. Um, I'm, I'm kind of agree with what you're saying. I'm really suspicious about the Ozark Children's Outreach Center, how yeah, and the, the director harkened back to VIP pedophile rings, um, which, you know, could be pretty far stretched, but now the big VIP of uh, Hoyt Foods is out on safari right. for Ooh. a long time. So I don't know how deep this goes or how long they've been targeting Julie since the mother did work there. So maybe yeah. they've had her eye on her and luring her for a while. I'm also really interested to find out how Amelia died. Yeah, agreed. Because that seemed to happen a while ago. They're not that old. So it's not of natural... I mean, it could be. Who knows? Could it be. doesn't feel like it's, you know, mm. of old age. Flip up, what do you got? All right, uh, this, this is my bold prediction. I don't know enough about Eliza, the director of the documentary. I think Eliza might be Julie. I had that thought, too. I think the ages are right. I think the coloring's right. I think uh, I think our girl Eliza... It would, it would be 25 years later. Because her and investment, sh- and she would have been right in her, so be in her, in her mid-30s, yeah. seems about right. And her investment seems very, very personal. Yeah. Like, intensely personal. So I, that would be my... That'd be, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so like, is, so, is so Eliza Julie? Weirder things have happened. Guys, where can the folks find you? Uh, guys, you can find me everywhere. <laughs> I talk like this. <laughs> I went for it. All right, Do it. I like it. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Julia Carely, J-U-L-I-A-C-E-A-R-L-E-Y. And you can find me at Joe Filippo on the Twitters. My website is josephsanfilippo.com. You guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media. We'll be back same time, same place next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Thanks for, for watching, watching, guys. Bye, guys. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.